spiced coffee in Oaxaca, Ventanitas in Little Havana, and the transcendent Beecherine. This week, it's all about coffee. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we sample the food and drink that makes this little blue marble special. And this week, the roasted bean and dark liquid we call coffee. I'm revisiting some of my favorite conversations about coffee over the last year or so, including coffee in Mexico, coffee in Costa Rica, coffee in the Little Havana neighborhood of Miami, and my favorite coffee drink of all time. I'll tell you right now, I'm facing a huge coffee-based dilemma. You see, we're getting ready to move, and I can't decide if we're going to take our Nespresso machine with us. Here's why. We're not shipping anything or taking any furniture or hiring a moving truck. It's just three suitcases each for me and my girlfriend. That's it. And one of my bags will have to be dedicated just to electronics, including the podcast gear that I use for this show, but miscellaneous stuff like laptops and portable speakers, cameras, chargers, adapters, all that stuff. That leaves two bags for everything else, clothes, everything. And am I really going to take up half the space in one of those two bags with a coffee maker? On the other hand, I know what it's like to live in a coffee desert. For the past year and a half, we've been in Georgia, and I'm not going to dump on any place in particular, but the espresso in Georgia has been dismal. I've been to dozens of places, and while they make a good cup of coffee, the beans for the espresso are almost always ground too coarse or under-roasted, leaving me with a sad espresso experience. Meanwhile, at home, the Nespresso machine makes a great cup of espresso with a delicious layer of crema every single time. So you can see why I'm reluctant to part with it. Luckily, we're going to a place known for excellent espresso, so maybe I'll chance it. Stay tuned for the details. In the meantime, let's talk coffee. Destination, eat, drink. Maria Itaca is a food writer and tour guide in Mexico. And Maria tells me about the spiced coffee served in the villages of Oaxaca. Plus, we talk about the perfect coffee accompaniment, chocolate. Are Oaxacans coffee enthusiastic coffee drinkers or just coffee growers? I think they are coffee drinkers, but I don't think they're enthusiastic or maybe they are, um, they have their own ways. You know, if you bring an Italian and ask them to ask him <laughs> to have a coffee uh, or a Turkish person, you know, to, to have a coffee in a village, in a restaurant, in a village in Oaxaca, they will have a heart attack probably because here, <laughs> here people in the villages, not in the city, in the villages, which is really interesting, they prepare cafe de olla, like pot coffee. Uh, and what they do is they, when they're boiling the, the water, they add some sugar, uh, sometimes even brown sugar or white sugar and, and cinnamon, and then they mm. add the coffee. So this, the coffee is spiced. Well, you can tell at this point that we like spiced things. No? <laughs> right, right. Um, so he, here they, they add that and, and 
it's a very mild coffee. It's not as strong like espresso, no? So it's really, really mild. So people do drink coffee, but I don't think they're like nerds about it, you know? Like they, they, <laughs> right, they're, right. Crazy, they're crazy about coffee, but in the city it's changing because of the amazing quality of coffee you can find here and we don't need to import or anything so in the city there is a culture of coffee developing and a lot of Australians somehow are attracted to Oaxaca so they're bringing a lot of this uh, you know flat white and all these uh, you know Aussie <laughs> traditions of uh, drinking coffee and many uh, baristas from around the world come here because the coffee that you find here uh, grows in very high areas about 1200 meters above uh, sea level and around uh, surrounded by jungle and they're all organic uh, organic organically grown so the quality is really really good and it's interesting that you mentioned this now that we just talked about cacao because Oaxaca is one of the biggest exporters of coffee and we are more into having uh, drinking chocolate rather than coffee mm. way more but it's funny because we drink a lot of chocolate and we don't produce a lot of cacao it's a shame oh. but that's starting to change right now like some people are realizing like well we grow coffee but we drink more cacao chocolate so some people are starting to grow cacao as well just as coffee so if I came down to Oaxaca, me and my girlfriend might get a flat white, which which I love. We've I've been obsessed with them since we were in New Zealand a couple of years ago. But I think we'd want to go out and have a have a chocolate. So um, we would say, Maria, where should we go for a drink of chocolate in Oaxaca? Where would you where would you say is a fun place to go? Well, there there are a few places in our in the tour with Culinary Backstreets. We stopped in a really nice place that they they are a collective, so they work with small producers, and that's really great, you know, because um, the smaller the the, the batch. The, the better, no? It, it, it's more delicate, sure, right. it's, it's yeah, refined. Yeah. So um, in the city, we can find a lot of these little business that work with collectives. The one that we found in the tour are really, really nice because they are doing also a good social impact. Uh, but yeah, there are, there are a few places as well uh, around Oaxaca that are starting to offer good chocolate, but also, you know, like chocolate milkshakes, but using our traditional way of doing it, no? not adding a lot of milk or spicing the chocolate a little bit. Um, so there are, yeah, a, a few places. I don't know if you want me to give you some names, but I can think of many right now. Yeah. Give us one or two that you that you think are really exceptional. Well, the chocolate, uh, we can say Caracol Purpura eh, and also El Rito. I think those two are really, really nice places to find chocolate. And in Caracol Purpura, you can find chocolate and coffee. So it's, it's a good combo. Ah, uh, both. <laughs> Does anyone ever have a, a two cups in front of them, a chocolate and a coffee in front of them when they're in this place? Yes, yes. I, I have. I've, I've experienced that. No, I, I like... Uh, some well, not um, it's like a deconstructed mocha, you know. <laughs> Adriana Font is the founder of Foodie Tours Costa Rica. Adriana tells me about the amazing variety of coffee in Costa Rica. You know, Adriana, one of the other important agricultural crops out of Costa Rica is coffee. 
Do Costa Ricans consume a lot of coffee? Because I know in some countries that make a lot of coffee, the people there don't really drink a lot of coffee. Do Costa Ricans drink a lot of coffee? Yes, we drink a lot of coffee. And that's another thing to talk about, coffee. <laughs> um, our best quality coffee is for exportation. Very, very few Costa Ricans get to drink good quality coffee. And that's the thing I'm trying with my tour, at least, to promote the specialty coffee consumption, uh, at least with my, with my clients. Um, there are a few coffee shops that they got all together. They go to the producers and they pay to buy between, like, between all of them, they buy a big a bag of coffee and so that they, everyone can have a specialty coffee and it's not super expensive. I mean, for just one coffee shop to go and buy a whole uh, package or uh, we call it quintal, it's like 50 kilos <laughs> of coffee is super expensive. For a small shop, it's, it's not possible. So there are many small shops that get all together, they, they buy it and they, they divide it and they can have a specialty coffee for Costa Ricans. I do take them um, to the specialty coffee workshop and I explain them that coffee has many ways to be processed and we have many varieties of coffee. When we talk about coffee, it's not just a bush of coffee. <laughs> it's, like, it's like grapes. You have Merlot, you have Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Malbec. Okay, with coffee, we have many types. We have Geisha, we have Catua, Catuai, we have Bourbon, we have Mundo Novo. We have many varieties of coffee and their flavors changing. It changes depending on the altitude of the land, depending on the soil, uh, depending on the harvest that year. It's like grapes. So coffee has a very similar word to, to wine. And that's something that we were not experiencing. That was just going outside. So with these new coffee shops, which is called the third generation, they go to these farmers, they buy coffee, and then they bring it to our table. And it can be just found in the specialty coffee shops. You cannot buy this coffee in the supermarket or any other, other place. You need to go to the coffee shop and buy it there because they, they roast it. They... They, they pack it, um, and if you want that coffee, you have to go there. <laughs> Robin Webb is a foodie tour guide in Miami. She tells me about the charming Ventanitas in Little Havana and the method for making a creamy Cuban coffee without dairy. So a proper Cuban cafe always has a ventanita, which means little windows. So on the outside of their restaurant, it looks like a big order up kind of place and it's just a big window it's actually a little window but it's it looks kind of big um but it's actually called little window and you order from the woman who mans the ventanita which by the way you never want to mess with any of those women at the ventanita they are cherished <laughs> citizens of miami they make the best coffee they make the best everything and they can run circles around any barista in any coffee shop um but what they'll do is they'll hand you a empanada and you order some coffee and you actually stand up and you stand at the ventanita with your friends and you just discuss life. That's what it's all about. It's all social. And particularly in the morning hours when we have our older residents in Little Havana, they love to go to the ventanita, get some coffee, a little bite to eat and just stand there and contemplate life with their friends. And it's, you know, the one thing about the Cubans 
probably everybody may know this already, but they're extremely, extremely social and friendly people. So they do a lot of their socializing over food and why not when it's so good? So um, that's a ritual to do is more than just sitting down at a restaurant and having an empanada, which is perfectly acceptable, but it's better to stand up and do it, do it tradition style. So did I get this right, Robin? At the La Ventanita, the window is on the outside. Are we ordering from outside? Right. So the window is typically on the outside. Now, now some setups, it depends upon the restaurant. Some setups actually have the window and then there's the woman inside and she's kind of in like a galley looking area. Okay. It's kind of a long area to prepare her coffee and all the food. And then on the opposite side of that is the inside of the restaurant with a counter. So that counter could almost be considered a ventanita, but it's not really because you really, a ventanita is the little window that you actually want to stand at. So it's it's typically outside. It may have a little overhang over it because it's so popular. And of course, rain is popular here in Miami. <laughs> so we want to protect our old folks, you know, actually we want to protect anybody because it's, you know, could rain down on you. We still want you to experience it. So there's typically a little overhang on, on top of it um, so that you can stand there comfortably. So we go to La Ventanita, we get an empanada and we get some coffee. Now, Cuba is a coffee-growing co- country. They grow coffee beans there, but we don't get coffee beans in the U.S. Right. from Cuba because of the embargo. Exactly. How do how do folks in Little Havana, how do they like their coffee? Like, what style do we get our coffee in when we go to La Ventanita? It, it's called, it is Cuban style for a number of reasons. Um, the beans are Arabica beans, so they're the nice, really rich, deep, rich, dark roast like an espresso. It's made in the exact same fashion as you would have it in Cuba. And of course, it's made by Cubans. So um, (laughs) we consider it, of course, Cuban. Um, The whole thing is a whole procedure. It's a whole ritual. And I always tell people, please do not leave Miami without going to Little Havana and doing the Cuban ritual. And then you will have lived um, because it's very special. So the coffee, how it's prepared in the restaurants, of course, they use a big espresso machine because there's quantity that they have to produce. Um, in ho- at, in the home, you make it in something called a mocha pot, which is a stove pot. It's a little little diamond-shaped pot uh, where you just put it on the stove and you can percolate your coffee. And basically the coffee grinds are put in. They're not tamped down. You put them a little bit loose and uh, it is made in the same fashion as the espresso. Now, what really makes it Cuban is as that's brewing, we take another cup, maybe a little silver pitcher uh, or just a deep enough cup, and we put some sugar in it. Then as the coffee is uh, ready, we pour some of the coffee over that sugar. And then with a spoon, we whip it like mad, like we're making a mean omelet. And we whip, 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 whip. And eventually enough air is put into it. So it creates something called espumita. You can say espuma or espumita. And that's just a foam. Then the rest of the coffee is poured over that foam so that the coffee goes into the cup and then the foam rises to the top. And that was created, first of all, it makes it look pretty. Second of all, it hydrolyzes the sugar so you get that really nice caramel, almost caramely chocolatey flavor as you're eating it, as you're drinking it, excuse me. Um, But it's also born out of Cuba's tradition of not, you know, having a lot. They didn't have cream in buckets the way that the United States does. So in order to produce something that looked like a cream or a crema, 
they learned how to hydrolyze sugar so that it would resemble a cream, uh, which to, is to our advantage because that's what really makes the Cuban. And to watch these ladies at the Ventanita alone just doing that, forget about the beach. Go stand at a Ventanita <laughs> and watch this because it's like theater. It's very exciting. Um, I still to this day cannot make a good one myself. Um, but you, what you can do, another way to create Cuban coffee without whipping it, you can actually percolate the grounds and the sugar together. Uh, just mix your grounds and sugar together as it percolates. It will create an espumita. It just won't be as strong. That's all. We finish this week's coffee talk with my friend Cecilia Puca of I Eat Food Tours in Turin, Italy. She talks about my all-time favorite coffee drink, the Bicherine. Italian cafe culture is famous, but when you come to tour around Turin, you must give yourself a sweet treat and taste this chocolate drink we call Bicherine uh, that is made from espresso, chocolate, and warm milk third layer in a small round glass. Actually, bicerine means small round glass in the Piedmontese dialect. And famous fans such as uh, Alexander Dumas agreed it was worth their taste. So it's really, it's something that uh, you never forget. Once you taste once, you want to come back for more, for sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think you are also Brent, a very great fan of uh, this uh, beautiful uh, chocolate drink, right? <laughs> yeah, what I love about it is everything isn't mixed together. You've got your layers. And when it's in this glass, this clear glass, you can see the distinct layers of chocolate, of coffee, and of warm milk layered carefully on top of each other. It looks gorgeous. It looks gorgeous, yes. Also, visually, it's beautiful to see it. And you can recognize a, a good made, a well-made bicerine um, from the layers. So if they are perfect, uh, if the bicerine is perfectly layered, it means that it's well-made. If the layers are a little bit, you know, too much artistic, well, it is not properly how the bicerine uh, is supposed to be served. So it has to be perfectly layered. And of course, uh, the chocolate has to be one of its kind, a uh, gianduia chocolate. And the espresso has to be uh, sweetie. You know, uh, coffee... Um, is again a magic, uh, another magical topic uh, because with the, a bicerine, the best coffee has to taste chocolate, so has to have some uh, chocolate notes, and the milk has to be the foam has to be very creamy. That is the most perfect, uh, the most perfect bicerine, and that's why many of us uh, are all in love with it uh, it's a beautiful uh, it's beautiful to enjoy it as breakfast but uh, if you want to have a nice uh, delicious uh, beautiful power up in the morning but it's also fantastic and beautiful if you have it for what we call it merenda which is the sweet afternoon snack Mm. Typical from uh, Piedmont. So uh, you join it uh, around four o'clock, 
something like that, and you order a bicherine along with some nice uh, cookies, especially yes. uh, some cookies with, you know, hazelnuts, because we are uh, famous in Piedmont for uh, such delicious, sweet hazelnuts. And we are famous for many different types of uh, sweet treats, like Baci di Dama, the lady's kiss, mm. which are beautiful uh, uh, cookies, uh, biscuits made of uh, hazelnuts and butter. And in between, uh, you have a beautiful uh, chocolate, Gianduia chocolate. It's a sort of, you know, it, it's like the, the two, it's like a kind of uh, sweet sandwich, mini sandwich. And in between, you have this uh, delicious chocolate and the, 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 the biscuit, uh, it melts in your mouth because the, the hazelnuts and the butter together create uh, this fantastic texture uh, and along with bicherine and all these other chocolate treats you really won't stop to eat okay there you go cecilia's description of the bicherine is not only technically correct but she also paints an amazing sweet picture of the drink i mean she just transported me back to turin on christmas eve a few years ago when i had a bicherine at cafe al bicherine You know, sometimes I worry about overselling a particular dish or drink or experience, but you know what? With the beecherine, I don't think so. Anyway, I've got links so you can get in touch with my guests from this week's show in the show notes. That is at radiomisfits.com slash DED153. I've also posted a new story on my blog. It's about the famous REM railroad trestle in Athens, Georgia. If you're like me and spent time in the 80s listening to REM, specifically the Murmur LP, then you've seen the REM railroad trestle but you probably don't know about the efforts to save this landmark. You can read about it at destinationeatdrink.com slash blog. Okay, that's it for this week. Next week, we're talking about the famous Wine Doors of Florence. You won't want to miss that. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and celebrity barista Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.